Hey, hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. Today, I've got an awesome lesson for you. It is four tax advantages of real estate. Let's dive in. Hey, Freedom Fighters, welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Shooter, stand by. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. I'm really excited for today's lesson because it's on a topic that we don't really talk about that much, right? And the reason why I don't talk about it as much is because I'm not a tax professional. I don't claim to be, and I'm actually learning a lot more about taxes um, as we as I progress in my own personal investing. But it's something that inspired me early on, and I definitely want to do it justice. So I'm going to teach you four tax advantages of real estate investing because it is amazing, okay? And and again, before I go into this, I want to to really, really reiterate here, I am not a tax professional, okay? I am not a CPA, I do not know the nitty-gritty specifics of all these different things, but I do know enough to explain to you the magic and the reason behind it. So I'm going to do my best to uh, try and relay all the awesome stuff that I've learned over my years of investing, okay? Also, real quick, before we start, I want to give a quick shout out to Caden Mickelson. He posted on the Facebook group just the other day that he got an offer accepted and he is starting his journey towards financial freedom. Hey, best of luck, buddy. That's awesome news. You can do it. There are so many resources available to you. And if you need any help, let us know. We are here for you every step of the way. All right. So check this out. All right. Number one depreciation. What is that? It is amazing, okay? It is the government telling you that your property will lose value over time because of the wear and tear, right? Over a long period of time. And yes, that kind of sounds counterintuitive because when you think real estate, right, you think my property is going to appreciate in value over time. And my property value will go up that when I'm looking to sell, I will get it, I will be able to sell for a higher price than when I bought it, right? Theoretically is what we think. Yes, that is true, right? Your land appreciates over time, but the building, right, the structure that sits on that piece of land does not. It actually loses value over time. And the government understands that the longer you have a structure in place, the more wear and tear it's going to have, whether from the weather or from the tenants coming in and out, right? It's general use, whatever, right? Just like any business, right? They treat that as a depreciating asset and they will give you that back over time, okay? Now, I mentioned something here that I also probably should have clarified at the start here. 
right? The government treats your investments, right, your assets as business assets. Why is that important? You need to have your investments in some kind of a business to take advantage of most of these tax advantages that I'm going to talk about, okay? And the reason why that's important is because these tax advantages exist for entrepreneurs to not only create more jobs, but to create more housing, right? That's why real estate is amazing. That's why a lot of the the um, congressmen and men and women, a lot of our officials invest in it because they understand that the benefits that you get from it are incredible, okay? So depreciation is one of those things. And one of those things that you will only really get if you have it incorporated in some kind of entity, whether it's an LLC, an S corporation, a C corporation, whatever, right? So, you know, you definitely want to make sure that you have your stuff incorporated. And this is talking about rental real estate, guys, okay? Um, All right, so continuing on. Uh, Depreciation is absolutely amazing. And not only that, not only are you able to depreciate your house, I'm sorry, your uh, rental property for a extended period of time. I believe it's like 27.5 years or something like that, right? But they give you that money back from what you spent on it over that time. So let's say you held your property for 30 years. Well, for 27.5 years, you will begin to get a portion of what you spent on that property back in taxes every single year. That's amazing, right? And not only that too, but you can depreciate more than just that that property, right? I mean, you can depreciate different parts of the property. And this goes into something called cost segregation. Um, It's something that's very, very advanced, not something that I'm knowledgeable on, so I'm not going to go into it. But I'm going to briefly scratch the surface and say that you can depreciate more than one part of the property at the same time, right? Because while you're building, right, may may only say, okay, over 27 and a half years, we'll give you this money back. There may be certain things that you put into your building, like the granite countertops, like the flooring, like the roof, right, that maybe have a shorter lifespan. And so those things depreciate at a much quicker rate, and you'll get that money back a lot quicker than you would the overall purchase of the dwelling. Hope that makes any sense. Again, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of person that I meet that I would love to deep dive the cost segregation topic a lot further. So look forward to future episodes on that. I'm always looking out for folks. If you are listening to this and you are super knowledgeable in that aspect, please come talk to me and let's, you know, let's talk. Let's see if we can schedule, you know, a podcast session to go out and educate folks a little further. I'm all about it. Okay. Next one, business expenses. I love this topic, guys, because this right here is what inspires you to make investing fun. It's not only great because you get a lot of deductions and things that you wouldn't otherwise normally think you could. But it's great because it allows you to build a lifestyle around investing. And that is, it's inspiring. It really is, right? So when you think of business expenses as deductions from your taxes, you think, what do I need to do in order to operate my business, in order to promote growth and success for the company, right? Well, 
let's just go down the basic list of operating expenses for our rental properties. Obviously, you need property management, right? Obviously, you need to pay insurance to get insured, right? Obviously, you have to pay interest on whatever loans that you have. Um, and then taxes, of course, you need to pay. All these items are deductible, okay? You're just your standard operating costs for your properties. Those are deductible. But let's go a little further. Let's dig a little deeper. Before we even get to the phase of buying a property and holding it, what do we have to do? We got to do a lot of research, right? Okay, so let's say your research is driving around your area. Well, guess what? Some of the gas that you expend in your car is now deductible, right? That's amazing. That's amazing, okay? And I hope you see where you're going, where I'm going with this. Let's say you're investing out of area, out of state, and you want to go, you know, try things in another market. Well, now guess what else is deductible? Your travel. Maybe it's your flight to another state. Or if it, you drove, it's your gas, right? Maybe it's your hotel expenses that you that you uh, incurred while you're out there, right? All these things are amazing. Some some of the food that you get, that you get uh, while you're out there. I'm I'm telling you guys, like you can create a lifestyle around investing that allows you to deduct a lot more than what you think, and it's incredible. Now understand that there are rules and guidelines that you want to follow when doing this, okay? You don't want to just go ahead and deduct everything that you're that you're eating and everything that you're um, that you're spending in, in terms of travel because, you know, oh, well, at some point I thought about investing here, so I just went and spent money. No. Okay? No. That's not how it works, right? You need to actually have you know, documented proof that you're doing business. So a good way to deduct a meal expense, and this is something my wife and I do, we'll go out, we'll eat, and we'll talk about certain investments that we're looking to make, whether it's throughout the year or within a specific time frame, right? And we'll actually, you know, talk about what we're looking to do to grow our family business. And we'll document the minutes per se, right? All the key points that we talked about on the back of our receipt. And then we'll take a picture of that receipt, both sides, and we keep it and we file it in our records so that come tax time, we can prove that we used that meal, right? Or that expense, whatever it was, to benefit our business, right? And now, obviously, you know, we're not going to go out there and Every single time we go out and we want to go for a little date night or a meal or whatever, you know, we'll go out and talk about business. No, that's not always the case, but a lot of times it is, and you'd be surprised, right? When you and your spouse go out, if you guys find yourself talking about, you know, uh, business in some ways, then you should definitely be documenting it because why not deduct some of that, even if it's only a little bit, right? I mean, that's great. Every little bit adds up. Especially when you have a business account, then that comes out of a different pot of money and you're left with more over in your in your uh, personal lines, which is great. But understand that, you know, in the case of audit, you want to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row and everything 
kind of covered, okay? That's why we recommend that you document everything just so you keep everything nice and organized in case you need it. All right, next one, number three. Let's talk about the 1031 exchange real quick, okay? Uh, I know we have mentioned this briefly on a lot of other podcast episodes. I'm going to do a little deep dive here, and I'm actually going to get a professional in on this to cover this a little bit more because this topic is so incredible. I want to make sure everyone understands it, um, like everything about it, just so that way in case you're faced with a situation where you might want to use it, you can go ahead, learn a little more on it, and then implement it in action, okay? So 1031 exchange. Basically, with Section 1031 of the U.S. Internal Revenue Code, they allow you to sell your property and to wrap whatever gains that you received, right? Any of that appreciation and interest that you received over the time that you had it, right? And when you sold it, anything you gain in interest, you can wrap that into another purchase tax free you can wrap your purchase your your sold property into another purchase tax free okay i wanted to repeat that because it's incredible let's say you bought a property in 2010 for one hundred thousand dollars and in 2015 you sold that thing for three hundred thousand dollars you can wrap the proceeds from your sale into the purchase of another property tax-free. It's amazing, okay? All right, so how does that work? Because obviously that's what we need to know, right? Um, What you need to do is you need to find what's called a qualified intermediary, okay? That person is going to be someone that you sell your property to first, and then that person sells the property to your buyer. The reason why it has to happen like this is because that money that you receive from the sale of your home cannot go into your bank account. Let me repeat that. It cannot go into your bank account. Once it does, that is a taxable event and you will lose your qualification for this 1031 exchange, okay? Now, can you theoretically put the money into another person's account, like a friend? Do you have to find a qualified intermediary? Yes, I think this is true. However, you run the risk of, you know, what happens if that person, right, has a creditor that is out for them to kind of grab some of their money and they end up grabbing your cash. Well, guess what? You lost it, right? So in order to, you know, eliminate all the extra variables that comes out, we do not recommend you just find a friend to have them hold your money and then, you know, give it back to you in order to put it into another investment, okay? We don't recommend that. Find a qualified professional, right? Or in this case, a qualified intermediary that is knowledgeable and experienced with 1031 exchanges, go to with a company that's been doing it for a few years, okay? And maybe make sure you shop around too because this could get a little expensive. But, you know, find someone that will hold your money from the sale and then put that money into the property. That way it doesn't ever touch your account and it is not taxed, okay? That is important. Now, 
um, there are some rules that you need to follow, okay? And these are like these are rules are set in stone, okay? They're non-negotiable. So time frames that are required from you, you have 45 days from the time you sell your property to identify another property that you want to buy. Does that make sense? Okay, so if you sell this property, it'll give you 45 days to identify another property that you want to buy. Now, that is important because you have 180 days from the from the, again the point that you sell sold your property right to close on that property that you've identified okay now it's very very important that you maintain these two time frames okay because if it falls out of this time frame then you lose the deal and your money is now taxable does that make sense okay so it's kind of helps to have an understanding of a market, like let's just be honest here, helps to have an understanding of the market, right, before you go and you look to sell your property. If you want to do a 1031 exchange, at least know the market of the area you're looking to to invest in. And you can find a few different properties that will make sense for you, okay? Now, there are a few rules with the amount of properties and how you buy these properties too that you need to understand, but once you have your market identified, it's easier to go into that market and to find something to qualify within the time the time frame, and you'll be good to go. Okay. Also, make sure that you have financing in order because financing can be a huge thing that delays the timeline and can push you out of the window. All right. Just keep that in mind. Now let's talk about the rules for properties here. So the first rule is the three property rule. Right. So if you buy uh, if you identify three properties that you are looking to buy with your 1031 exchange, that's great, okay? Now, the portfolio, these three properties have to be equal or greater value from what you are selling, okay? As a matter of fact, to be honest with you, it has to fit that across the board anyway. So let me just go ahead and blanket statement that. In order for the 1031 exchange to qualify, you have to purchase something that's equal or greater in value to what you sold, okay? So again, in that example, if you bought a property for 100000 and then you're selling it for 300000 you have to buy something that's at least 300000 or more in value. Now, again, has to fit under these three rules, okay? So keep this in mind. Now, for the three property rule, those three properties can be worth however much that you want it to be so long as it's, again, equal in value or greater, okay? So now let's say in that example that we use, if I identified three properties that were both worth or that were all worth 300000 each, right, as in a total of 900000 I can go ahead and buy that because it's three properties. Let's say if I wanted to buy three properties that were 2 million each, okay? So now you're looking at 6 million. You can go ahead and buy that and you can invest that money in. It's three properties, it could be however much you want it to be as long as it's three. Now, here's another one, okay? The 2% rule, all right? 
200, I'm sorry, the 200% rule, apologize. 200% rule means it can be more than three properties, right? But those three properties, I'm sorry, those four or more properties cannot be more than 200% of what you sold, okay? So in that example, right? I sold a property for 300000 I cannot buy four or five properties more than that $600,000 value. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, again, this is just this rule. I'd mentioned there are three. Okay. So the third rule is called the 95% closing rule. And it gets a little bit complicated. And unless you're, you know, a cash money buyer with, uh, I'm sorry, cash money, (laughs) unless you're a cash buyer, right? And you're a very, very experienced, you know, real estate professional, you know, this probably is not going to be something you would even have to worry about. But if you wanted to buy more than three properties, uh, and you wanted to buy more than that 200%, you can buy an unlimited amount of properties. But here's the catch. You have to close on 95% of them, right? So if I wanted to buy a clip of 100 properties, and let's say each of them were 100,000, right? Okay, so I'm looking at 10,000. No, I'm sorry, 10,000. I'm looking at 10 million, right? I can buy those 100, but I have to close on 95 of them. Make sense? So, again, you can get convoluted, and it's very, very, very important that you find a professional that's qualified in order to help you with this exchange. But those are the basics of it. And if you end up in the situation where you want to sell your home, and wrap the gains that you have tax-free, you can do that. But you have to make sure that you follow these rules and get a qualified intermediary to hold your money. Now, real quick, before I move on, I want to cover your 1031 exchange does not apply to you if you are selling your primary residence, okay? If you're selling your primary residence and um, and you have lived in it, I think it's up to five years. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But Uh, You can sell your home and automatically not have to pay taxes on it so long as your gain, right, what you've gained in value, doesn't exceed $250,000 as a single person or $500,000 as a married couple filing jointly, okay? So keep that in mind. But... Outside of that, if you're looking to sell any of your investment properties, right, 1031 exchange is the preferred way of investing. Doesn't This isn't for everyone, okay? So understand that it's not for everyone in everyone's situation. Talk to your CPA. Talk to a qualified professional. Make sure that you understand everything that's going, that's getting involved with the process and whether it's better for you or not. But hey, this is something that can be a game changer for you in the investing sphere, okay? All right. Next, and the last one, being a real estate professional. This is quite possibly one of the best things that you can do as an investor if you do not have a primary job that you're working anymore. Let's say you're getting out of the military 
Or let's say if your spouse, right, if your spouse doesn't have a primary job, maybe they're working from home or maybe they're just staying at home, right? Staying at home mom, stay at home dad, taking care of the kids or just taking care of the house, right? Stay at home spouse is cool. You know, this could be something that you should think about um, because what you do is it allows you to take amazing tax benefits from just operating your business as a real estate professional as your full-time job, if that makes sense, right? So here are the rules. You must accumulate over 750 hours over the working year, okay? That is a lot easier to do than you think it is, okay? And real estate must be your primary occupation. Now, what does this mean? Let's say you are a stay-at-home spouse and you are a realtor because you got your realtor's license. Real estate is your primary profession. That counts, okay? Let's say you are a contractor or a property manager, right? And that counts towards your, right, your 750 hours working in the real estate field, okay? If real estate, if any aspect of real estate is your primary profession, Right, and you are managing your investments, you are allowed to take advantages, uh, tax advantages from all the losses you incur over that year. They will deduct that from your income and you can see a heck of a lot more money back at the end of the tax year because of all the things that you're able to take advantage of. Again, gas, meals, right? Uh, your expenses, all, all this stuff, right? I mean, all the stuff that I mentioned in the business expenses before above, right? Those are things that you can take advantage of. And it's amazing because again, real estate becomes your primary occupation. And so the government will treat you as a real estate professional. And therefore you are allowed tax advantages and deductions and write-offs that you would otherwise normally get if you had a different occupation, Right? Just this one's geared towards real estate. Now, amazing, guys. Amazing stuff. I hope that these four things have somewhat struck a chord inside you that, that gives you that motivation to go out and to learn more about these certain things, these topics like legal, like tax, you know, all these different things, right? There's an amazing book. As a matter of fact, there are two amazing books I'm going to recommend here. Uh, both by the rich dad, poor dad uh, guys, Tom Wheelwright, right? His, uh, sorry, Robert Kiyosaki's uh, tax advisor came up with an amazing book called Tax Free Wealth. You definitely need to make sure you read that. If you want to hear anything inspiring and motivating about our tax law and how real estate investors really use tax to boost and to jumpstart their investing careers, you definitely need to read that. Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. It's in the show notes. Also, The Loopholes of Real Estate Investing by Gary Sutton. That one is another amazing book. Um, and both of these things will just transform your mind and really give you that structure that you need to get started. I'm telling you, Reading is amazing because there are so many awesome real estate pros out there that are, you know, crushing it in the game and they pass on knowledge on, you know, how to do things, right? Like a model, 
Okay, another great, great book. I'm going to just throw it out there just because I mentioned models. It's called The Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. All of these books will be in the show notes. I want you to go check them out. But understand that when you have a good model, a good system in place, it's so easy to duplicate and it's so easy to to uh, to increase your success because you have those bare bones in place and it's like plug and play. Right. So if you understand, okay, before I get started, I want to have a good tax advisor. I want to have a good legal team in place. Right. And even just those two things alone, you know that that one, you're not going to leave any money on the table because your tax advisor will be able to educate you on what expenses that you need to take uh, account for and document. So that way, when you come back to filing your returns at the end of the year, you can claim every little thing that you can to get the most value and to get the most money back at the end of the year. Okay, so leaving the money on the table is important. Also, legal team to make sure that all your paperwork, your titles, all that stuff is in order so that saves you less headache. Okay, you also want to make sure that your, your incorporation is set up right and everything's just kind of structured properly so that way you're protected against um, you know, lawsuits or claims or whatever, right? And also that your, um, that your entities are set up properly so your money can move through them without any repercussions from the IRS, okay? So amazing things that you need to have in place, amazing books that you need to go check out, okay? Um, just go check them out, all right? Make sure that you deep dive them, you take notes, all this stuff, and then, you know, go out and invest. Guys, I'm telling you, all this knowledge means nothing if you don't take action, all right? There are so many things out there for you to read and to see and to learn, and you're never going to stop learning, okay? You're never going to stop learning. I don't care how long you let your analysis paralysis you know, prevent you from taking action. You will never stop learning. What you need to do is you need to start somewhere, okay? Even if you decide that you don't want to get an LLC for your first rental property, okay, it's not the end of the world, right? Let's hope that nothing bad happens to you and you end up getting set back. But, you know, a lot of people start out without one. I did, okay? I did. I started my I started out my rentals without LLCs. And you know what? I learned that I am at a lot of risk. So, I've put the put put the things in place in order to, you know, to um get things structured properly and put them in an LLC so that way I not only cover my butt just to make sure that, you know, nothing bad happens, but also so I can take advantage of these amazing tax benefits that otherwise are not offered to me. Because I wouldn't, I didn't have them in a business account. Okay, so I really hope that you guys take some of this. Right, I know I only scratched the surface, but I hope you take this and you run with it. And look forward to to hearing from some tax professionals that are going to come help us deep dive some of these complicated topics and to really dumb them down to make sure that you understand, at the very least, what questions to ask your tax advisor when you go ahead, go for setting yourself up. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you got a lot out of that lesson, man. I love, love, love 
the advantages of real estate investing because it shows you how to empower and change your life around it. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Be sure to catch future episodes on the podcast. We've got a few amazing interviews coming up. It's going to be great. Also, check it out. We've got a lot of things happening. We've got a book launching November 2nd. It is amazing. Make sure you check it out. It's our Military House Hacking 2.0 ebook. We've got amazing minds that came together to put that book together. It's going to be amazing. Hey, also, if you're in the Hampton Roads area, we've got another meetup happening next week on the 23rd. It's going to be at Keegan's Irish Pub again. It's going to be a great time. Make sure you're there because we have a lot of awesome stuff that we're going to talk about. Can't wait. Catch you guys over there. Mike out.